The uh, sermon title, The Cost of Discipleship, is not uh, original. I didn't uh, create that and invent that. I'm not sure that any sermon title is, is, is actually completely original, but this one is definitely not original. The title is taken from a book that was written by a man named Diedrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. Some of you may be familiar with Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was one of the great thinkers, theologians of the 20th century. Bonhoeffer's ministry took place primarily in Germany, primarily during the time when Hitler was ascending to power, and then when Hitler came to power, and Bonhoeffer was there in Germany, left this country, had a comfortable teaching position at one of the seminaries in this country, left that to go back to Germany and to be part of what came to be known as the Confessing Church in Germany, a church that resisted uh, the Nazi uh, party taking over power, who resisted Hitler. Bonhoeffer was arrested uh, during World War II because of his, not only his opposition to Hitler, but because he was accused of being in a, in a plot to overthrow Hitler by assassinating, having Hitler assassinated. Bonhoeffer was confined then to uh, a prison camp, and he was executed in that prison camp, unfortunately just a, two or three days before it was liberated, by the Allied forces, martyred for, uh, for his uh, faith, for his devotion, for what he thought was obedience uh, to the call that God had laid on his heart. What Bonhoeffer then said in the book that he wrote, The Cost of Discipleship, which was written before uh, World War II ever, ever uh, began, but what Bonhoeffer said uh, in the 1930s when this book was written, is that in talking to the church, he said the church has made grace cheap. We have allowed ourselves to give out, uh, get out of jail free cards anytime somebody has a problem. We never challenge anybody at the point of what grace costs. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected and be killed. Grace is costly. And because it's costly, our confession of faith in Jesus Christ, the good confession, isn't all there is to the faith. There's then the call, the obedience of following Jesus. And that's where we're missing out, according to this this, uh, word that, that Bonhoeffer wrote. The church, too often, is dismissive of, uh, of the demands of discipleship. So, in the words that we just read, Peter, who's just made the good confession, and he hears this word from Jesus, 
The Son of Man must suffer many things, must be rejected by religious authority, and will eventually be killed. Peter hears this and rebukes Jesus. Jesus, that's not the kind of Messiah that you're supposed to be. You need to rethink this. That's not the uh, Messiah that I thought I was following. All this uh, talk of rejection and, you know, uh, being uh, persecuted and being killed, uh, that's not going to happen. That's not what I signed up for. And so you just need to get over that, Jesus, and you need to think about uh, doing this a different way. Now, what happens is Jesus doesn't say, as we might say in the church today, uh, okay, Peter, I understand you've made a good point. Uh, uh, You've given me some things to think about, and uh, I'm going to pray about that. And uh, I want you to pray about it also and, uh, and ponder these things and think about these things and reflect on these things. And we'll get back later and we'll have some more discussion. No, Jesus uh, rebukes Peter. You have said that I'm, I'm the Messiah. You are called to follow. You're called to be obedient. You're called to lay down everything else and follow me. And if you want to understand, and if you want your faith to grow, then the first thing you must do is not pray for additional faith. You've got to be obedient. You have to follow me. And that's not negotiable. It's, it's not uh, something that Jesus is interested in having a discussion about. Think about the call of the disciples. Why would Peter drop his nets and follow to begin with? Why did Matthew, the tax collector, decide to leave his lucrative tax-collecting business and follow? And Andrew, and John, and James, and all these people who were called. And it doesn't say, well, Jesus called them, and then they, they thought about the the cost of following him, and they, they uh, you know, talked about it together. And then they all you know, had a committee meeting. There's nothing better than church committee meetings. I had a committee meeting, and they said, you know, then maybe it's not a bad idea. We'll follow. No. They threw down their nets. They left the tax collecting business, and they followed. They were obedient. And then they learned, and then they grew. In their faith. But the first thing they had to do was answer the call to follow. And that was not negotiable. Get behind me, Peter, or Satan. Peter, you got it all wrong. And then Jesus calls a crowd, the crowd together. He's talking to the disciples. He's been just with the disciples. Then he calls a crowd together. He calls everybody together. And then he gives them the what I call the four fours. Okay? Four times he says, four. So the first one is, for whoever loses his life for my sake, 
or whoever will save his life will lose it. For whoever tries to save his life will lose it. The hardest thing for most of us, in fact, it's the very first story in the Bible, the hardest thing for all of us, for any of us, is to admit, to acknowledge that we are not in complete control, that we are not autonomous people that can, can uh, do anything that we want and then uh, use, uh, we all want to believe in God, we all want to follow Jesus, but uh, we don't want to follow him as, as Lord, as the one who has authority over our life. We, uh, we all want to believe in God, and particularly if we can be God's advisor. Give God good advice, because God doesn't seem to be getting it right. We don't want to give up Adam and Eve. Why did Adam and Eve eat the, from the tree of life? They wanted to be like God. It's as simple as you can put it. That's what the story is about. Eat this and you can be like God. You don't have to depend on him. You'll already be like him. And so they do. So Jesus says, whoever would save his life, who continue to try to function separate and apart from me, is going to lose their life. Not going to find it. So think about the story of the rich man who comes to Jesus. It's in all three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. A rich man comes to Jesus and he has this question, what must I do to be saved? And almost before Jesus can answer, uh, and and he calls Jesus the good teacher, rabbi, not Lord, not Messiah. This is a guy who knows a lot, has a lot of information, might be a good resource so that I can check out and make sure I'm doing the, you know, doing the right things. Pretty sure I've already got this solved. Don't really need, you know, know anything else. But it's always good to, you know, check with somebody who's a good teacher. So he dresses Jesus that way. You're a good teacher. So you ought to know this. Uh, I followed all the commandments. And... Uh, and so what, what else do I have to do? And Jesus commends him. He says, you've done well. There's only one thing else you have to do. Give away, rich guy, give away everything you have and follow me. Follow me. Give away everything you have, follow me. Jesus didn't say, you have to be willing to give away everything you have. You have to have a heart that is not attached to possessions, uh, you know, you, you have to have a willing spirit that will, would uh, make you a generous person. Jesus says, give it all away. Give it to the poor and follow me. Why? Why didn't he just say, like most of us think he said, he wasn't really asking him to give everything away. He wasn't really asking for that kind of commitment. What he really meant is just, just be willing Why? Well, perhaps Jesus knew that if this guy had his safety net, his money, 
then he could follow Jesus for a while, see how things were working out, and if they weren't working out, he could just go back to the life he had. Uh, Jesus, this has been a fun ride. I've been with you for two weeks. Uh, there's some things that, that uh, I need to take care of back home. And, uh, and anyway, good luck to you. And off he goes. So Jesus challenges him right up front. If you're going to follow me, follow me. And leave everything else behind. Give it away. We know the end of the story. This man cannot do that. And he walks away. Or the story of the people who say they want to follow Jesus. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. Say they want to follow. But they offer reasons why they can't do it just yet. I've got to go back home. Take care of some family business. Uh, One of my family members has died. I've got to go back home and, and take care of that. Bury my family member. Uh, there's things i got to do. I want to follow, but first let me take care of this. Like, you know, uh, Jesus asking us to follow. And uh, we offer some, you know, I really want to. I really like to. I really want to, you know, kind of do that. But you know what? Get back to me. And we put uh, Jesus, we get our cell phones out, we get our smartphones out. And we put Jesus on the reminder page. Okay, uh, I got Jesus on here in a reminder, and this thing's going to go off in nine days, and then I can follow. Or we hit, hit snooze, and uh, Jesus, I want to follow you, but boom, uh, let me, I just want to sleep a little bit more. I just want to rest. I got, you know, I'm tired. I can't really do that right now. And so, boom, snooze. And then when the snooze goes off, then, then we'll decide. And, of course, the great thing about snooze, which maybe many of us wish we'd hit this morning, the great thing about snooze is you can just keep hitting it. I don't know, I don't know how many times mine will go, but I know I've hit it a lot of times on, on certain mornings. And you just never have to make... You can, you can deceive yourself into thinking you've made a decision. I've made a good confession. I've confessed Jesus. And then we think everything gets easier. That there are no demands. That grace is not costly. And nowhere in scripture does it say that. It may well be that things can become more challenging. It does for many people who decide to follow Jesus. Second, for whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. St. Augustine said... My heart is restless until I find my rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in Christ. We do that by following. By answering the call of Christ. Follow me. And the, the path is not you know, as straight as the aisle here in this, this church center aisle. There may be obstacles uh, along the way. But before we can do anything else, before we can negotiate the terms of following, you know, I, well, I'll follow, but, you know, you've got to give me more information. 
What, what am I actually going to have to do if I say I want to be a follower of Christ? And before uh, we can even get the words out of our mouth to answer, to negotiate the terms of following, Jesus simply says, follow me. That's it. If you want to find your life, follow me. The third four, and for the sake of the gospel, a uh, number of years ago, over 20 years ago, uh, when I was uh, at seminary in North Carolina, I was working there, I went to uh, see an attorney about a student that was having, uh, going through a divorce and uh, trying to get some information, trying to help the young man out and uh, trying to help the family out if, that was, if it was to be possible. So I'm talking to this guy, and, uh, and I say to him, one of the problems the, the guy's having is that, that his church back home that was supporting him uh, as a seminary student, they were sending him you know, several hundred dollars a month to help with his support while he was going to school. And uh, once they found out that he was going through this and, and going through separation and possibly leading to divorce, they stopped sending money. They didn't say why they were stopped sending, not sending the money. They just stopped. And so this, this guy, this poor young guy, he's in trouble now. He was getting $500 a month, and it's just stopped. It's gone. And, and the lawyer looks at me with this astonished look come, comes over his face. He said, the church did that. I said, Yeah. The church cut him off, cut his family off. And he said, he kind of rubs his chin. He said, that sounds like something a lawyer would do. I said, I don't know about that. But he said, I've always tried. Then he went on to say, what I've always tried to do is function with this basic rule. There but for the grace of God go I. We follow Jesus for the sake of the gospel, the good news We care about other people. We look out for their needs in obedience to Christ as followers of Christ. There but for God's grace, that might be me. How can I help? And the final one, for what will it profit a person to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Grace is costly. It requires something of us. That once our confession is made, once we have answered the call of Christ, once we have decided to follow Jesus, then it shouldn't surprise us if things become a little more challenging for us. See, in this country, it's hard for us to imagine persecution. We we elevate things that are really inconveniences or make us uncomfortable in the church. We, you know, we elevate those things and say they're, they're persecuting the church, whoever they are. And, and the things that, that happen to the church in this country uh, are not, don't rise to the level of persecution. They don't. 
It may rise to the level of, you know, somebody challenging us or making us uncomfortable about something that we have said, and, and it may, uh, you know, make us so uncomfortable that we want to withdraw and we don't want to deal with that. And so we, uh, you know, you know make it, explain why we, we really don't want to talk about that, about our faith. We don't want to go there. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, if you're not willing to share who you are, if you're not willing to follow, you don't have to be obnoxious about it. You don't have to be annoying about it. But if you're not willing to say with some uh, sense of confidence, a great sense of confidence, this is who I am. I am a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. Then, uh, if you want to do it on your own terms, uh, what does it profit to avoid, you know, avoid whatever conflict you can avoid by denying your faith? What does it profit you to gain uh, whatever sense of, you know, comfortable, you know, comfort level that you want and then forfeit your life, lose your life? Because you want to follow, but just not on the terms that Jesus may be asking you to follow. So in our day, as I suppose it's been throughout church history, there are those that present Jesus as the ticket to success, the solver of all problems, and the provider of every comfort. Very little is mentioned about taking up the cross. Denying oneself. You see, when we take up the cross and follow Jesus and keep our eyes on Jesus, the problems that arise become manageable, become things that we can plow through because our eyes are on Jesus, on following Jesus. Very little is mentioned about taking up the cross. But for the Christian, joy comes not from giving Jesus directions, but from following Jesus wherever he leads. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for forgiveness we know and Lord we thank you for the call of Christ the claim of Christ upon our life Lord we ask that we might give ourselves over to that call just to simply be obedient to Jesus to follow Jesus in Christ's name amen our hymn of commitment is number 621 are ye able said the master invite you to stand as you're able as we sing together